Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that whenever we gather together, you're here, but you're the spirit of life. You're not the spirit of restriction. You're not the spirit of burden. You're the spirit of life. You're the spirit of lifting us. So, Father, we thank you that you're going to help us today. You don't come, Lord, to push on us. You don't come to tell us what we ought to be. You come to help us be what you've designed us to be. So we thank you in advance, Lord, for your help here today. I pray, God, that every single person, no matter their background, their education, their upbringing, their culture, every one of us will lean in, Holy Spirit, and hear something from you that's going to help us. Lord, from the oldest believer here to the youngest one, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, we're in a series called Build and Grow, and this is, I think, part four. But if I was asked to say what I believe from my years of working with people as a leader, what was the greatest single factor that determines how much a person grows, that determines what someone's able to build, I know what I would say. I would say it's their ability or their attitude, their aptitude to building and developing healthy relationships in their life. I truly believe that most of the growth in your life is not going to come in isolation. It's going to come because you get connected. Matthew chapter 5 and right through to chapter 7 is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's most famous for these 10 verses. They start at Matthew 5, verse 3. Jesus is speaking. You probably have heard it. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll have heard something like this or at least some parts of it. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they're going to be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, you'll have heard that, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's just a few verses there. Just eight verses about an inward purity and an inward strength, about your inner life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. These eight verses highlight the inner life of a believer. And Jesus begins His message and His teaching to these new disciples, these new followers, and highlights to them the power of your inner life. And we would all go, oh, yes, amen. Thank God for that. Oh, yes, God. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, God, make me like that. But you know, that's just the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. It goes on through chapter 6 and chapter 7. And 30 verses following those eight, 30 of the verses that follow that are about how to do relationships well. Think about it. Eight verses at the start are about your inner spiritual life. 
But Jesus moves on from that and gives 30 more verses about how you do life, not with God, but with people. Think about that a minute. Let the penny drop for a moment. That three or almost four times as many verses in Jesus' first sermon are not about your relationship with God, but they're about your relationship with other people. There are 651 verses in the Bible about love. 651. That's a lot of teaching about how to love other people, about how to get on with people. And we all know right here, right now, that we aren't in heaven yet where everyone's been transformed, but we're down here where the process is still taking place. Isn't that right? Turn to your neighbour right now and just say to them, you aren't there yet. Turn to your... (laughs) Pastor Ray is just leading us in marriage counselling and developing relationships. He turned to the person on the other side and said, I don't need to tell her that. (laughs) I'm not quite sure that that's the way this is meant to start. This may be a great message for you both to take home (laughs) at the end of this. 651 verses in the Bible about... Now listen... Uh, You know, we all live in the real world. So I know that in front of me today are people that have had breakups and breakdowns and you've had conflicts that you couldn't resolve or maybe didn't want to resolve or that the other person didn't want to resolve. But I'm still going to speak about relationships. I know I can't do every one of them perfectly because maybe somebody else doesn't want me to. Maybe that person is not interested in resolution. But that shouldn't stop me being who God wants me to be. That can't be just simply where we go, it's too hard. Where we go, oh, well, what do you want? It's a fallen world, Jeff. I think we can move on from that. When Jesus was asked, out of all of the 600 or so commandments in the Old Testament, which one matters the most? I think the Pharisees wanted Him to talk about tithing because they tithed even mint and anise and cumin, which are just very tiny seeds. He actually turned, he said, here's the greatest commandment. And it'll be no surprise, it's about relationship. He started in Matthew 5 saying, here's how you get a relationship with God. And then moves on to talk about your relationships with others. So when he gets asked, what's the greatest commandments? He says, there's only two. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Same as Matthew 5, verse 3 to 10. And then he says the second is actually like unto it. He said, love your neighbour like you love yourself. Don't love your neighbour like they love you. That's the golden rule uh, or the silver rule, I think it's called, that we respond to others like that. Jesus said the golden rule is that I begin to treat you like I wish I was being treated. My capacity to love, according to Jesus, equals my capacity to grow. All right? Most of your growth, most of your achievements, most of your joy is going to come out of directly how you do relationships. A few years ago, I read the authorised biography of Steve Jobs, 
the founder of Apple. The book was written by Walter Isaacson, great read. But you know, when you read that book, you discovered the life of a man who did not do relationships very well most of the time. At the, towards the end of his life, when he tragically died, you know, one of his things that he spoke about most was uh, some of, not his achievements with Apple, but some of the things he regretted in his relationships. So it was interesting when I came across this email that Steve Jobs sent to himself. He said, I grow little of the food I eat. And of the little I do grow, I did not breed or perfect the seeds. I do not make any of my own clothing. I speak a language I did not invent or refine. I did not discover the mathematics that I use. I'm protected by freedoms and laws I did not conceive of or legislate and I do not enforce or adjudicate. I am moved by music I did not create myself. When I needed medical attention, I was helpless to help myself survive. I did not invent the transistor, the microprocessor, object-orientated program, or most of the technology I work with. He said, I love and admire my species living and dead, and I'm totally dependent upon them for my life and my well-being. The truth is that we all need each other. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 will be no surprise to some of you. You'll have heard it quoted in this church from time to time fairly regularly. It says this in verse 9, Two are better than one. Two are better than one. We live in a world that prizes the one. We celebrate the lone achiever. We celebrate the star. We celebrate the elite athlete. We celebrate the medal winner. But the Bible says two are better than one. Two are better than one because they've got a good reward for their labour. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him or her who is alone when they fall, for they've got no one to help them up. Again, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be, uh, may be overpowered by another, two can withstand them. And here comes this same theme running through. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. The truth is, we need each other. The truth is, you aren't going to be successful in life. You're not going to get, even if your goal is not some massive achievement of fame and fortune, even if your goal is simply, I want to live life well. If that's your goal, then here's a revelation for all of us. We need each other. Now, if only we could qualify that and say we need really good people. We need really perfect people. You know, I just really need people to be better. I'm looking for the perfect one. I'm looking for Mr. or Miss Wright. Oh, Sister Kate. What a different spirit you have to the man beside you. He said, I don't need to tell her. And she said, he's already taken. Cue the romantic music. Mercy. Think about it a minute. You know, God calls us to do relationships with people that are still faulty and flawed. Look, you know, I'm a bit like, Hello, 
Some of us are still, we're still out there shedding friends. Get rid of this one because they disappointed us. Huh? Getting rid of those ones. You know, disconnecting. And I realise sometimes there's actually a really good reason to disconnect. Sometimes it's wise to do that. But there's such a push in our world to kind of cast people off while I go in search of the person that will meet my every need. We need each other, even though the other that we need isn't perfect. Turn to the person beside you and say, he's talking about you. Oh, I love you with the love of the Lord. Yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you the glory of my King. I should get Kate and Ray to sing it to one another this morning. Because I love you with the love of the Lord. You know, when the couple gets married, they walk down the aisle and they come to the altar and someone sings a hymn. And then it's aisle, altar hymn. (laughs) Or her. Here's a couple of things we need about one another that I'm sure you know, and I'm not trying to tell you something today that's revolutionary or been hidden away from the ages, but I just find we forget them. Number one is we need each other's perspective. I think one of the most powerful things Jesus ever said is in Matthew eleven nineteen, He said, wisdom's justified of her children. And what that means is this, is that every single one of us can believe we're right. I'm right and therefore you're wrong. Uh, my perspective's the right one. It, hello, if only everybody was like me. Now, we don't say it like that, but we think it. What is the matter with them? Hello? Like, really? What? They're useless. They're as useless as an ashtray on a motorbike. It's very easy for us to think, I'm right in this. And you know, the Bible says a brother offended, it's harder to be one than a strong city. Why? Because when I go, I'm right, I'm automatically saying you're wrong. And I take away any ground of meeting that's possible. Why are offences so powerful? Because offences become a stronghold in our life that we won't climb down out of to build the bridge for someone else to come across. Now, I know this is a long weekend. It's a public holiday tomorrow here. And you didn't come to church to get mm-mm. So just understand I'm not mm-mm. I'm doing it with a smile. Amen. Here's a great verse for you. Proverbs 18 verse 17. The first one to plead his cause or her cause seems right until his neighbour comes and examines him. I've discovered in conversation where there's conflict in it that when I listen to one person, I go, absolutely, you're exactly right. They are completely, they're a dropkick and, you know, and they need and they should. And, mm. and then I go and talk to them and I come away, with, you know what I'm saying? You come away with a completely different perspective and I'm going, 
Oh, oh, maybe I don't agree with them. Maybe I've got a shift. That's why it's wise to wait before you start telling everybody what's wrong with them. Now, I'm not talking about a stranger examining you. I'm not talking about some online troll. The Bible says every person's cause seems right until a brother comes and examines him. The Bible never, there's not one verse in the entire Bible that says, Yea, for thou shalt be a doormat. Yea, for thou shalt just let everyone tell you what they think. But the Bible talks about having a brother. Why do we make such a deal in this church about finding places of connections? Because everyone needs their perspective adjusted. Amen. I know the internet told you you're right. I know there's experts out there and they said you're exactly right about that. Move on, Jeff. Because we've all got blind spots, regardless of our gifting or how old we are. Amen? Come on. Secondly is we need each other's strength. We're all going to have times of need that will come to us because of opposition or because of opportunity, by the way. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if you read it or noticed it, it says, Woe unto him or her who is alone when they fall. Not if they fall, when they fall. Amen. You are going to somewhere in your life need others around about you. So don't wait until need arises. Invest in healthy relationships now in your life. Here's number three. We need others to celebrate with. Do you remember that time you had a big win, some great achievement, you graduated, some success at work? Isn't it true the first thing you wanted to do was tell somebody about it? Isn't that right? You want somebody to share it with? Have you ever had it where something great was about to happen and you knew it and you were sworn to secrecy? You can't tell somebody? And you think, oh, no, I just, you know. You want to tell them? We need each other to celebrate with. It's a pretty lonely party when it's just you and the cake. Amen. Find someone to celebrate with in your life. Here's number four is that we need each other's correction. Most of us, the truth is, we look for allies. We look for people who will agree with us. It's human nature. Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and verse 12, says that very day Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, for previously they'd had been at enmity. They'd been enemies. They were against one another. They criticised each other. But when Jesus pops up in the, in the conversation. All of a sudden, these people that were enemies before became friends over a shared conflict. I've watched where somebody has a disagreement with leadership or with a boss and they gravitate to the person who's got the same gripe as they have. You weren't friends before, but now you're friends. And you've got to realise you're friends over a very narrow part of life. When I find myself agreeing with people that I used to vehemently disagree with, I wonder what's going on in my life. 
Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this, The wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. It's easy to find flattery, isn't it? All the people say, oh, you're awesome. I've discovered, you know, that if it's someone close to me, that them giving me some criticism. I was talking to John Cameron the other day from New Zealand and I reminded him of the time when Paul de Jong came to visit our church. And like every visiting speaker, no matter who they are, how experienced they are, whether I'm older than them, been around longer than them, whatever I say, is there anything that we need to change? Is there anything you can suggest? And I remember Paul de Jong gave us, I think he gave me a list of about 10 things. Well, within a month, we'd done the entire 10. Most of them were very simple. Before uh, this, there was no stairs here. It was just a, a wall. He said, I would put stairs in. And so we went and we built stairs. There was other things. That was simple. Why? Because I'd rather have somebody who loves me help correct me. Amen? Just give a big hand to my wife right now. She's not always right. But I've discovered over these 40-something years that she's right more often than she's wrong. And in the early days, I used to think, who, you know, like, you're like Siri. Always telling me what to do and where to go. Sometimes Siri says, turn left, and I just go, blow it, I'm going straight ahead. And then sometimes Rhonda will say, I did tell you that. I go, yeah, but it wasn't the right time. <laughs> you want to have friends that are honest with you and you're never going to have friends with honest with you unless you've built friendship first. Yeah. Amen? Come on. This is so upside down different, right side up really, from social media where people that don't even know you have got an opinion about what you wear and about what you look like. Hello. Number five, we need others because we're wired for it and we're weird without it. Like the little anagram, see what I did there? We're wired for it. Genesis 2 and verse 18, Adam is in the Garden of Eden and everything's perfect. There's no sin, no death. There's no lack, no sickness of any kind. And God looks at him and he says this, the Lord God said, it is not good. How can it be not good when you're in the Garden of Eden, but it's not good that this man's alone. Mother Teresa famously said that we have an epidemic in the world that is far greater than TB or any other communicable disease. She said it's the epidemic of loneliness. Dr. Vivek Murthy, who was two times Surgeon General of the US, the number one medical officer of the country, wrote a book called Together. And he talked about the impact of togetherness, community on your health, your physical health. Writing as a medical professional, saying if you don't do community well, your, your health suffers. Robert Putnam famously wrote a book called Bowling Alone studying 50 years of American life, where he says this, that regardless of the socioeconomic strata someone lives in, if there is a sense of community there, 
crime rates always drop. Regardless of how much money they earn, regardless of the location, he says where there is a strong sense of community life, crime rates are lowered. The reality is we are wired for community and we get weird without it. So let me finish this morning by saying with all of this, what does all this require of me? Because it's easy to preach but there's no point in the preaching unless there's a practice of it. So what do I need to do? Jeff, what do you need to do? Number one, you need to cross the room or the street. Go and say hello to that neighbour. Do what I do. I write down their names so I can remember it next time I go past. Hi, how you doing? It's not hard. You know, some people make it hard because some people actually don't want to talk to you. That's a fact. I just, just keep praying for them. Amen. Somewhere along the way, an opportunity will come. Just keep crossing the room. Amen. Not everyone, Jesus told His disciples, not every town you go to, they're going to receive you. And they said, Lord, could we call down fire and consume them? God, come on, Lord, let's have another heavenly barbecue. Amen. Let's have a big heavenly fry up. And Jesus said, you've got the wrong spirit. He said, just leave that town and go to the next one. If you meet somebody that doesn't want to be your friend, don't go there and criticise them and talk about how bad they are and if only they knew how important you were. Just simply leave them and go to the next one with a smile. Amen. Don't go to the next one talking about the last one. Huh? Well, you know, that work person over there, you know, I was just being friendly. And then look at the way they treat me, huh, you know, and just make it worse. Just say, thank God for such practical preaching for my life. Cross the room. That's why we have Metro Life. That's why we have Connect Groups. Here's number two, make time. It all takes time. I know you're busy. So are we all. Make time and understand it takes time to make friends. If you've got friends that have been your friends for a long time, you know how much time it took to make them your friends. Number three, be a good friend. Well, Pastor, I came to your church and no one spoke to me. And when someone did say that to me once, I looked them right in the eye and I said, so I guess you didn't talk to anyone either. See, they were looking for someone to be a friend, but they weren't ready to be friendly. Huh? Proverbs 18 verse 24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Huh? <laughs> Some people wonder why no one wants to talk to them. Be a good friend. Number four, last one here is get wisdom. Because you're going to need it. Amen. To do relationships. The Bible says this, he that winneth souls is wise. It's not just talking about evangelism. It's talking about gaining someone's trust. It's talking about building relationship. You've got to get wise. The good news is that James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God who gives to everyone liberally and without reproach and it'll be given to them. Amen. 
It amuses me that we have career guidance counsellors, we have financial counsellors, we've got medical professions to advise us for our health, but when it comes to relationships, we don't have anyone until it goes pear-shaped. Huh? And then they're called the divorce lawyer. And I don't say that out of hurtfulness or harm. I've already said a couple of times, there are some relationships that ought to come to an end. I don't want to be misunderstood on this. But let me just say this, in every relationship of whether you're able to mend it, resolve it or not, ask God for wisdom. Lord, would you help me? Show me the right thing to do. Don't be surprised if what he tells you is what he often says to me, which is be quiet and stop. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go and, don't go and attack that. Just move right now. Amen. We'll keep on going, brother. We can talk to you later at the end of the service. Before I go on from this, before I go on, I get that. But before I go on, I want to talk to you about the most important thing that Jesus started with, and that's your relationship with God. Remember Matthew 5, 6 and 7. You know, when I think about this message, I realise that for a lot of people, it can dredge up pain and difficulty. I understand that. And so I don't do this even though we've had a bit of fun and I don't mean to be flippant about the pain in people's lives in your life or in mine. I think every one of us have been through relationships that have brought difficulty and heartache to our life. But I know this, that if I will begin, first of all, by getting my relationship with God right, I know that if I'll begin doing that, I know that God will then start to lead me through this minefield called relationships with others. When you read the Bible, it never hides all the difficulties and the pain that relationships have brought. King David, who was such a mighty warrior, and yet relationships in the peace were what brought him undone. And so I understand the difficulty of that. And I want you to understand this morning, I don't bring any of this to you with some sense of judgment or condemnation. I bring it to you with a sense of going, let's become wiser. But I know that it begins with a relationship with Jesus because Jesus designed you. You're the one that He made and He made you who you are and with all of your difficulties and with all of your opportunities, with all of the good things about you and all the things that need to change about you. I know that if I will come back to the Maker and say to the Maker, will you start taking control of my life? You know, last Sunday morning in the service, before the service had ended, three people said yes to Jesus. And they began a journey a journey that I trust almost all of us are on, a journey of saying to Jesus, I'm going to let you lead me. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to let you mould me. I'm going to let you talk to me. I'm going to let you shape me. I'm going to let you, you know, stop me doing things that will be harmful and prompt me to do the things that will bring blessing. If that sounds like you this morning, you say, Jeff, how do I start that journey with Jesus? Well, it starts with an introduction like every relationship does. How do I get introduced to Jesus? He said this, he said, I stand at the door, the door of your life and I knock on and he said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he says, I'll come into them. 
I know I did that. Felt him knocking on my heart. Oh, my heart was pumping and I could not have explained to you all the doctrine of it. I just knew that the Holy Spirit was saying to me, come on, Jeff, this is for you. Come on, Jeff. I said yes to Jesus without knowing all the end of it all, without even understanding it all, but it was the best yes I ever gave. Better than the yes I gave to my first job or to my career guidance counsellor. Better than any yes I ever gave. I'd love to pray for you this morning. If you say to me, Jeff, I want to say yes to Jesus. Can I help you this morning? If you're online, you're with us there, you can say yes to Jesus. If you're in the building, you can say yes to Jesus. If you're a part of this service later on, after the live service has ended, you can say yes to Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for everyone that You are speaking to right now. They may have been raised in church or never been to church. They may consider them good or they may consider themselves fraught with failure. And yet, Jesus, You said You died for all, every single one. But You don't push Yourself into our life. You come and You ask us to invite You in. So Lord, right now I'm praying for these people that I know are hearing right now and that are saying in their heart, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to Jesus. If that's You, then why don't You pray a prayer right now just with me, after me. Just pray quietly where You are. Lord Jesus, I want You in my life. Oh, come and help me. Come and lead me. I want to be close to You. I want a fresh start. Thank You, Jesus. If that's You this morning and You prayed that prayer, simple as it is, why don't You text Your yes through to us? It's this easy. You know those three people who texted yes before the end of the service? For seven days now, they've gotten a Bible verse every day, a prayer every day, different each day. And so for seven days, they haven't needed to come to church because church is not a building you come to. It's a group of people that are loving God where Jesus is central. And so they've been getting Jesus' help every single day. Think about that. For seven days, the church has gone to them in their home, their workplace. It's come up on their phone, their device, on their email. If you want it via our text service, you go to 488 826392. If you want it via email, particularly if you're outside of Australia, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And if you're on our Metro Church online platform, well, the yes button's there. Just click on that. Whichever way, we want to help you. We want to bless you. Father, thank you for those people. Oh God, I may not know their name or their background, but you know everything about them. You're embracing them right now. You're saying, welcome home. You're saying, I've got great plans for you and I'm going to work with you and walk with you. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. You know, I know you don't know who they are, but I'd love it if we could all just give them a big hand right now, those people we don't know and just say, well done. Can we just stay seated a minute? I want us to sing that chorus there. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Some of you here today, 
you've experienced the pain of relationship hurt, please never ever think ever in the life of this church that there's ever anyone a year who goes, well, it's your fault. Or after all, you, sh- you should have done something different. This is a house of mercy, not a house of rule. And I want God this morning by His Holy Spirit while we sing this to come and some of you here where maybe what I've preached just brings up that thing that happened. Can we just agree together that God's going to touch you? Break every stronghold. Shine through the darkness. Your name is light. Come on, sing it while we see it. some of you, it's a fresh start. Some of you here that keep rehearsing the yesterdays because they keep intruding into your today. For some of you, it's, I wish I'd done that differently. For some of you, it's not that, it's resentment at what took place. And I hear the Holy Spirit this morning saying it's a fresh start. It's a new day. Let God give you a new day. Come on. Let God give you a new day. Was it your fault? Was it not your fault? God says it's a new day. Walk on. Take off the label of victim. Take off the label of broken. Take off the label of their fault. Take off the label of any of that and say, I'm a child of God and I've got a new start in Jesus' name. I got a new start in Jesus' name. I got a fresh beginning in the name of Jesus. God makes everything new. All things have become new. All things have become new. Father, we thank you for that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, your name is power. power. 
Your name is healing. Your name is life. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that we don't leave you here. You come home with us. You're going to be there for us, Lord, that maybe live alone. There's no one else in the room but us. But God, you're there. You're there for those of us that are going home to a home where right now there's conflict. But Lord, you're going home with us. Lord, and for those of us that have seen you bring restoration and healing. God, we go home ready to help someone else ready to pray and to give wisdom. We thank You for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's stand and sing it one more time before we finish. Your name is power. Your name is power. Oh, your Your name name is healing. Well, the cafe's open out there. Hope you can stay. Say hi to somebody. Pastor Ray and Kate will be out in the press space. Pastor Bruce online for prayer. Don't forget tonight at five o'clock, Faith, Hope and Love kicks off. It's going to be a wonderful time of prayer. Worship with God. Amen. God bless. See you somewhere soon.